Hi, and welcome to For This Child, I Have Prayed. This is a podcast where faithful women share their journey to motherhood and how it has been marked by the goodness of God. Whether you are struggling with infertility, wrestling with postpartum, or navigating adoption, my prayer is that you are encouraged and uplifted by their testimonies of just how faithful our Creator truly is. In today's episode, Rachel will be sharing her journey to motherhood that includes struggle, loss, and heartache, but also a beautiful reminder that God was always with her and fighting for her, and He is the ultimate promise keeper. Now let's meet Rachel. Hi, Hi. Rachel. Welcome to the podcast. Hi, Heather. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much for being here. Would you like to introduce you and your family to our listeners? Yeah, of course. So um, my name is Rachel, and I am married to Chase Kinsey. Uh, We have been married for seven years, almost seven years. Uh, We have two children, my son Canyon, who is five, and my daughter Laurel, who is about to turn one in like 10 days. (laughs) And they're the cutest kids. When I saw Laurel at church on Saturday, I just, how do you not just squeeze her cheeks and her legs all day long. I mean, it's a problem. It is a yeah. problem. <laughs> <laughs> she is very chunky, and we love all of her roles. And uh, she's very, very hard to resist squeezing. So she is squeezed quite a lot, quite a lot. She's adorable. All right. So I know you're going to be <laughs> sharing you. three stories with us today. So do you want to go ahead and get started? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I kind of wanted to preface with saying that every journey to motherhood is completely different. Um, every story is different, even every pregnancy, like every child, everybody is different. So what works for me, what happened to me, um, hopefully it will, uh, sound with, with listeners that you have. Um, but just know that you are not like a cookie cutter type, type person, like, not everything is going to be exactly the same. You're probably going to do much better than me, or you may do worse, or, um, or hopefully this helps, but, um, yeah, I guess we'll just go right in. So Chase and I were married in May of 2016, May 22nd. And Basically, he was a grad student working at Georgia Southern University, and I was living apart from him, working as an environmental educator, not making much money at all. I lived with four other girls at the time. So, uh, I mean, it was not an ideal living space to create a family, uh, obviously. I drove to see him. I drove two hours every weekend to come and see him because obviously he's not going to come see me with four other girls. So um, so I did that for a while. Um, and in January of 2017, uh, I was talking with a girl and she was complaining about her period and her period pain and everything. And, and I legit just stopped. And I was like, Oh my God, I'm late. And I had like that full panic moment. I was like, Oh my gosh, I don't even live with my husband. Like what? I was like, okay, I need to go get a pregnancy test. Like right now I'm going, I'm going to the store. So, uh, So luckily that was a Friday and on my way to see him that weekend, I stopped by the store and I couldn't even wait till I got to see him. So I legit 
went and bought a pregnancy test at Walmart and I went to Barnes and Noble. I don't know why, uh, but I went to Barnes and Noble and I took a pregnancy test in their bathroom. Uh, that was positive and I was terrified. <laughs> uh, so I took another one and that was positive, terrified, took another one. I took four or five tests uh, before I actually went home and told him about everything. So yeah, and I didn't even tell him. I just left the pregnancy test out on the counter in the bathroom and uh, let him find it on his own. So that's how that happened. Uh, we were definitely not prepared. I ended up having to leave my job shortly after because I was obviously we needed to make more money and um, it, to be able to survive really. And we needed to be living together uh, so I could feel supported in, in everything. So, uh, so that happened. We had a healthy pregnancy. Everything went great. And then we got to 37 weeks, but we went to the doctor and uh, I had preeclampsia. So they were like, well, we need to deliver you like today. Like this is actually pretty severe. So I was like, okay. That's great. Now, I was the type of person that I did not look into anything related to pregnancy or related to birth. I was like, I was very naive uh, to everything, um, which looking back on, I really hate that about myself at that point uh, because so many people are trying to get pregnant. And, um, and even later in my pregnancies, like that followed me. I was, I was like, why did I not do anything that I should have been doing. Like, you know, I didn't start taking prenatal vitamins until second trimester, like just little things like that. Um, kind of got with me later on. Um, but anyways, we delivered a healthy baby boy. It was great. Um, I ended up breastfeeding him for 20, excuse me, for 26 months. Um, I'm very blessed to have been able to do that. And I loved every minute of it. Um, so when I stopped breastfeeding about a month later, it was 2019 in December and I was talking to Chase and we decided that we wanted to start trying again. Um, so that's what we did. Um, and I figured my naive self, I figured that it would be very easy because the first time was an accident. We weren't planning on it. And um, so I was very naive. I'll keep repeating that throughout the story, but um, it wasn't, easy at all. It was very difficult. I was using apps to track. I was, you know, tracking my periods, my cycles, my intimacy. Um, I was, I was tracking what I ate, how many calories, da, 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 like everything I was tracking. Um, and it went on for months. It was nine months of negative pregnancy tests. And for anybody out there that is struggling with infertility, um, it's very difficult because, you know, you'll be intimate with your husband and then, you know, you're like, oh, it's the, it's the two week wait. Okay. We have 10, 14 days. And then I can take a pregnancy test. It's going to be, it's going to be positive. Like you're like speaking into existence that it's going to happen. And then it doesn't. And then it doesn't. And then the next month comes and it doesn't. And you continue going to the bathroom when you, you know, it's your time to start and you're like, okay, well, I didn't start my period this morning. Maybe, maybe I'll go buy a pregnancy test just to check. And then you end up getting your period later that day. So um, that is just heartbreaking. And I, I hate it for so many women that have struggled for years with it. I only had nine months, um, but it's, it's awful. And my heart goes out to every mom that is struggling, um, seeing those negative 
results are heartbreaking every time. Um, but October came. Uh, now, this was 2020. So this was COVID environment. So there were all kinds of stressors going on here. Um, I worked at a rental car company at the time. So I was just, you know, we were, what did they call it, uh, an essential business. Uh, so we were on full blast the entire time. Um, so in October, I did end up getting a positive pregnancy test, which was fantastic. I was so excited. Um, I went to work and I told my coworkers, you know, I was only maybe a couple weeks pregnant. Like it was not that much. And um, I was telling everybody about it. So excited. And then uh, two days before Thanksgiving, it was November 24th and I was at work in my office um, and I feel something. I was like, that, that feels like a period. I was like, that's not right. Uh, go to the bathroom and lo and behold, I see red which is not what you want to be seeing in a pregnancy. Um, so I call my doctor and, you know, at, at this point, I'm maybe five, six weeks pregnant. Um, and you're not seen until you're eight weeks pregnant. Um, and I actually had an appointment scheduled for that following week. Um, so I see red and I freak out. I call my doctor and they're like, well, it's probably nothing. You know, it's, it's normal to see spotting. Uh, they're like, if you want to, you are welcome to come in or you can um, stop by like an urgent care or something and they can check you out. And I was like, okay. Well, me being the person I am, I just fall and fly off the handle and I go to the emergency room. Like I'm terrified. Um, I want this baby so bad. So I go and I'm sitting in a room by myself. I'm texting my husband and I'm like, hey, just, this is what's going on. He's like, do you need me there? And I'm like, no, I think I'll be fine. Um, so I'm there alone in a room and the doctors are you know, doing all these tests and I, they do an ultrasound and uh, they come back and doctors and nurses are saying, well, we ran your HCG and it's not very high. So you may even be less uh, less pregnant than you think. And I was like, okay, that still doesn't make me feel good, but all right. Um, they were like, there's nothing really that we can do for you now. Just go home and try to take it easy. Uh, if you have any severe bleeding, please come back. I was like, okay. So I go home freaking out. Um, I will say that Chase did end up coming uh, to the hospital and he ended up, uh, helping me through that. So that was good. Um, I want to give him kudos for coming to the hospital when I told him not to. Um, but anyway, so the next day, it is the day before Thanksgiving. I'm having severe cramping, and I just know that, you know, this is it. I'm having a miscarriage. Um, so we spend all that day um, just kind of taking it easy. I'm in bed, curled up in the fetal position, in a lot of pain, bleeding, just not in a good state of mind. And um, the next day is Thanksgiving. And we tell family that we're not going to have anybody over. The plan was to have Thanksgiving at our house, but that's not the plan anymore. Like uh, nobody is invited <laughs> over to our house. Um, and then I get a call um, from one of the on-call nurses at my doctor and they want to see me. Um, they want to see me in and check my HCG and just make sure that nothing is going on. And um, 
they want to make sure that the, the trend is going down. If I feel like I am having a miscarriage, that my HCG is going to be at zero because they don't want me to get an infection, all that good stuff. Um, so Thanksgiving Day, I get the lovely uh, chance to go to the hospital in Greenville, which is about 45 minutes away. I have to leave my two-year-old um, or three-year-old, three, uh, leave my three-year-old with my neighbor at the time. Um, she was fantastic. She's one of our best friends, so she's amazing. Um, and we were very thankful to be able to leave him with her. But um, yeah, I had to go get my blood tested on Thanksgiving Day. And then that night, we got the call that my HCG was below five. And uh, even the doctor, he was so sweet. He he called, he said, this is not something that I want to be doing on Thanksgiving. And I cannot imagine that you want to be doing this. And I was like, yeah, I appreciate that. Um, very hard. Um, we did not really celebrate Thanksgiving. I didn't feel like I had anything to be thankful for that day. Continue on. We went into a bereavement for work. Um, I called work and I let them know what happened. Um, and there was like a pregnancy loss clause in bereavement. So I got to take off a few days, um, which I highly recommend. If you are a mom that loses a pregnancy, like please talk to your work and let them know and um, see if you can take bereavement. Cause that was truly something that, that helped me. I don't think I would have been good at all. If I had to go back to work and just pretend everything was normal, uh, you know, just a couple days after losing a child. Um, so I went to work about after about a week. Um, I did a lot of hiking. I did a lot of talking to God, a lot of worshiping, a lot of praying. Um, and then I went back to work. And again, how is it? How are you supposed to just go back to work and pretend everything is fine? So um, I was very fortunate to work around people that were really understanding and caring. And they just kind of told me to take it easy, like, you just sit, sit back. We'll take care of everything else. So um, it was a really nice ease back into work. Um, and then exactly one month later on Christmas Eve, uh, we had another positive pregnancy test. And that felt like such an incredible redemption. I was like, it's, you know, I started this miscarriage on November 24th. And it is December 24th. Like, how is that even possible? We went nine months not being able to see two pink lines. Like, how? And um, so we were very excited, felt very redeemed. I felt very loved. I felt very excited. We were over the moon. Uh, and then I heard about a survey that Anderson County uh, here in South Carolina was doing. And they were having a bunch of ultrasound technicians who were training. Uh, they needed practice doing ultrasounds on uh, first trimester mothers. So I went to that on like mid-January, like right before my birthday. Um, and we found out that we were having twins. And I was like, I could not wrap my head around it. I was like, this is the most incredible redemption that I've ever like could have dreamed for myself. Um, so we were having twins and that's something that I've always prayed for. I've always wanted twins. Like I always thought that would be so amazing. Um, and again, it's right before my birthday. So I am just overjoyed. And then uh, everything's going great. I'm like taking little bump picks every day because they're twins. They're growing twice, 
twice as fast. Your belly is growing and uh, you can already see, you know, fruits of that. And, um, and then comes February. It is February 9th at this point, And I go to the bathroom in the morning and I see a little spot of red and I freak out and I call my doctor. This is, uh, on a Sunday. So they're closed. Um, but they call me back and they're like, Hey, again, this is normal. It could be nothing, but just take it easy. And, uh, I had an appointment two days later. That was supposed to be my first appointment at, at my doctor to get the full ultrasound to where I would have a picture. Um, so they were like, just, you know, relax and, and we'll see you in a couple of days. If something does happen, if severe bleeding does occur, um, give us a call. Okay. So, um, I take it easy and then Monday comes and I call out of work and I take it easy and I am, uh, or sorry, Monday didn't come. Sorry. I'm getting my story mixed up. Um, February 9th, I'm sitting there and I texted work and I told them I wasn't going to be coming in the next day because I, I needed to take it easy. I needed time for myself. So I'm sitting on the couch that night and I am watching something, but I'm not really watching. I'm just kind of there, um, hands on my belly, just kind of praying. And I hear on the TV, I have no idea what was playing, but I heard, we're okay, mama. And I, I was like, okay, that's the Holy Spirit. Okay. They're okay. It's going to be okay. Everything is fine. And up until this point, I had also had multiple signs that they were going to be twins. Like I was, I would be seeing twins outside all the time. I never really noticed them before. I was having conversations with, uh, with my husband, like, Hey, I think we're, I think this time is going to be twins. And then we were going through, um, going through the Bible. We were in Genesis and it was going through Rebecca and uh, Jacob and Esau. And they're, they're just like a twin theme was going even before that ultrasound with the, for the trainer. So, um, so we had all these signs and I was like, okay, well, everything's going to be fine. Like everything has been kind of telling me like, we're going to have twins. They're going to be okay. I go to bed thinking everything will be fine. And I, I wake up, it was about two or three in the morning and I wake up cause I'm just wet and I am soaked in blood from my toes up to my torso. And, uh, as anybody would do in this situation, I am like shaking. Uh, I get out of bed. I walk to the bathroom. I don't like chase up cause I don't, for some reason in my head, I was like, don't freak him out. You know, this is, you're fine. You're fine. And I walk to the bathroom, uh, and it's just, there's blood everywhere. But I will never forget the way that my feet look on my bedroom floor. I will never forget the footprints of blood throughout my bathroom, my bedroom. Um, I needed to shower. So I stepped in the shower, and um, it's just like a sea of red all around me. Um, it was really hard. <laughs> I think it's the understatement, but, um, go on through everything and I end up going to wake Chase up. I'm like, this is severe bleeding. I need to go to the hospital. So I wake up my husband and I tell him like, Hey, this is what's going on. He can see the, 
the chaos all around him. Um, but we have our son and I was like, you just, you know, figure out something to do with Canyon, let him sleep a little bit. Maybe, I don't know, but you have, your priority is him right now. I'm going to go to the hospital. And that was it. Now this is two in the morning. My husband is very groggy. He doesn't even remember that conversation. Um, so I'm, I get to the hospital, I check in, I'm bleeding through my clothes that I have already changed into, sitting in the waiting room, crying. Um, they call me back. They luckily put me in a wheelchair to bring me back, uh, thank God. And um, I get into the room, and again, it's just like, there's just red, every, there's just blood everywhere. Um, and red is just such a vibrant color, especially against a hospital sheet. Uh, hospital floor uh it's all white why they do that i will never know but um but it's just all so haunting and terrifying at the same time um so it's about three or four in the morning i'm trying to call my husband chase and uh, he's not answering he's probably asleep i am calling 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 i've had an ultrasound um They've put me on an IV drip because I have lost so much blood. And uh, and everybody seemed just so cavalier about everything, just so flippant. Like this, like, well, yeah, it's just, you're just bleeding. That's just, that's normal. You know, this type of bleeding is not uncommon, blah, blah, blah. Um, and I just couldn't understand how these doctors are coming in and being like, hi, how are you doing? And I am experiencing death from within myself for the second time at, with two babies this time at nine weeks long. When I was supposed to be having my ultrasound to see them and to get a tangible picture in two days. And I couldn't understand anything. I couldn't wrap my head around it. Um, I was in a state of shock, just pure shock. And, um, and I was alone the whole time. Nobody ever, nobody ever came. And I didn't want to be a burden on anybody. I didn't call my best friend, who is also my neighbor, who like, lives right across the street. I didn't call her. I could have. I could have called um, my mother-in-law. She lives close by, but I didn't. I did. You know, it's early in the morning. I didn't want to be that burden. So, um, so I did it myself, by myself. It was hard really hard uh I was mad at everybody when I was leaving I went to my mother-in-law's house I got discharged around like eight in the morning my feet were blood-stained I wore flip-flops it was February it was cold (laughs) but my mother-in-law washed my feet and I thought that was a very sweet and kind and selfless thing that she did however as selfless and kind as that was uh, it was met with with words that cut like a knife. She had told me that we just needed to wait. If we would have waited and given my body more time to heal, then, you know, maybe this one would have stuck. And I just shut down. Everything in me shut down. I, had, I couldn't hear anything around me. I couldn't see anything. And I said, it's time for me to go home. And I left. Should I have been driving in that state? Absolutely not. But I couldn't hear anything else other than this is your fault. 
this is your fault. You should have waited. You should have given your body time to heal. This is your fault. You're too stressed. This is your fault. You have a lot going on. This is your fault. That's all I heard. So I completely shut down. Um, And I wouldn't let my husband back in the house for (laughs) weeks. It was a couple of weeks. Um, I took my son Canyon um, on a trip to Huntsville to see my family. So we drove five and a half hours to go see my family. I checked him out of daycare early. I didn't tell anybody I was doing that. Um, I didn't even call my husband and tell him that I took our son until (laughs) I was two hours down the road. Uh, Grief is a funny thing that makes you act super irrational. And um, that's exactly what I did. So I took Canyon. We went to be with my family, which I thought would be really helpful. It wasn't. Uh, I ended up, I told my mom that I was pregnant. She didn't know yet. She knew about the previous loss, but she didn't know about this one. And um, I told her that it was twins and, and I was just broken. And she was like, oh, that's so sad. She said, it would have been so wonderful to have twins around here. And I was like, yeah, they would have been. And throughout the weekend that I was there, she just kept bringing that up. I didn't really get many, how are yous? I'm here for you. Not, not really through anybody. Work people knew. Like Most people knew around me that I interacted with on a daily basis. But... I didn't get the, I'm here for you. I got, you were just too stressed at work. You need to take it easy. And then the next time you get pregnant, that will, that'll stick because you won't be so stressed and you should have waited longer. You know, your body wasn't healed yet. You know, it's fine. You're young. You can get pregnant again. Now they didn't know that we went nine months not being able to. Um, so all of these things coming into my head is just, it's not helpful, not helpful at all. I don't Um, think as society, I just, even like women who you think it would come natural to, I don't think mm -hmm. we know what to Mm -hmm. say coming from my own story. And then, you know, friends who have also gone through, we need to do the work. And I, I, my prayer is, I want so many things that this podcast does, but one thing is to equip us with what to say and what to do and maybe even more so what not to say and what not to do in these situations infertility loss has for so long been such like a taboo topic and this like as women we're supposed to carry it on our own and that's changing which is so great but with that there's a lot of work that needs to be done of how to care for mothers and women who are going through this. So and yeah. personally and medically as well, I have heard so many yes. stories that are unfortunately like yours, Rachel, where, and I had hope with that, you know, that, that first loss when the doctor called you and said, it sounded like that doctor was very caring and loving. And I was like, Oh good. She's having a different experience than others. And then the second story, or you were saying the nurses were just so flippant. I just don't, they see it all the time. It's not an excuse. You know what I mean? They're still dealing with a human being. Um, so hopefully 
I'm sorry that you had to go through this. So sorry. But I hope as other women are listening, they're kind of learning and and checking in with themselves. Yes. Yes, absolutely. That's definitely one thing about my story that I, anytime I share my story, I try to communicate that because it is so damaging and you don't realize and other people don't realize and death and grief is such a weird thing within our society and it always has been um people don't like to talk about it it makes people uncomfortable and then they pull away um where instead what i would like is if it was like my small group at the time uh i texted them i i said can anybody come over tonight and pray with me i wasn't looking for multiple people i was looking for one person to connect with one person to come and cry with me one person to just lay their hand on me and say you are loved and what i got was six women every single woman in that group came to my house that night um they laid their hands on me all of them they cried with me they wiped away my tears and my snot (laughs) Um, and that was the most loved that i felt Uh, that was the most healing part of my journey. And, um, and I cannot say thank you enough to those women that did that for me. Um, some of those women shared their stories of their loss and what helped them. And that just the empathy, it was on an entire another level. Not everybody that came over had experienced loss, but they saw me grieving and they were with me and that's all I needed. Um, so I, I do pray that anybody that goes through a loss or infertility has somebody that they can lean on, has a group, any kind of connection uh, to get them through that. Because it is just incredibly hard and it's incredibly lonely and isolating and, um, and people's words hurt. So, um, so yeah. Um, well, anyway, so I went back home um, because eventually you have to go back to work, right? Uh, the world doesn't stop just because you have had something traumatic happen to you. So I go back to work. Um, I am a shell of a human being at this point. There is like no really pulling me back. I'm just a shell for everything that I reached out for. I did, I did get something back from my small group, but the world around me, just seeing it like keep going as normal. It didn't sit right with me. It just made me angry. And the world would never know the babies that I lost. And that made me angry. So every day at work, angry. I was fighting with customers. I was just being rude. I was not kind, not the person that I normally was. Um, and about a couple weeks later, uh, I walked into work one day and I said, you know what? Like, I'm done. I quit. I quit my job in a state of post-traumatic stress disorder. <laughs> I just quit my job. Um, and, you know, what's so crazy to me is that they did, the company tried to keep me, but it wasn't, it wasn't like a, are you okay? Like, what can I do for you? I know that you have just had two weeks of bereavement. You had one week of bereavement in November. You had one week of bereavement this month. Like, do you just need time off? 
and I probably would have ended up staying. Um, but people don't like to talk about it. They just, they're like, okay, uh, do you want more money? We can just toss more money out of you. And I was like, no, I'm done. Um, so I quit my job of three years and I was really good at it, but I just left. Um, after that, I had a doctor's appointment where they tested me for anything that could be linked to uh, recurrent miscarriage. Um, they didn't find anything, which was honestly more heartbreaking than if they would have found something, because at least then it would have been a reason. So then they're on the phone with me telling me, you know, there's nothing wrong. There's nothing that we found. Um, you can try again as soon as you feel ready. Um, but it was probably just something wrong with the fetus. And when that like entered my brain, there was something wrong with this. There was nothing wrong with them. There was nothing wrong in my head. They were perfect. The phrasing that doctors use is just hurtful in, in more ways than, than we can count. And they don't even realize it. I had this time to really sit and uh, think about myself and about what I wanted about who I was, and um, and the Lord brought to me Exodus 14, 14. And it says, the Lord will fight for you. There are two parts to this first. The first part is the Lord will fight for you. I was like, okay. Now, if you don't know anything about Exodus, this was the mass exodus of the Israelites from Egypt. So this seemed like a pretty good verse. I was like, if God can get down all the Israelites out of Egypt, like, he will fight for me. He fought for them. I'm a single human. They were a whole people. He fought for them. He can fight for me. So that kind of pushed me to share my story on social media. So I made a post about uh, about our babies. Um, and the outpouring of connection that I felt was unreal. I had so many messages from other women saying, I lost a baby. I'm going through this right now. I am here with you. I see you. Uh, you know, we lost a baby 10 years ago, 20 years ago. I had so many people reaching out to me and connecting. There was a huge thread on this post just talking. Is so many women talking about their losses and connecting with other women that they before would not have known. Uh, there were a few men on there talking about their wives that have gone through it and how they wish that they could have met that child as well. And seeing their wife go through that was heartbreaking. Um, so that was huge for me. Um, and that was, that was kind of a turning point in a, in a way that I was seeing the Lord fight for me, bringing those people, bringing those connections. I'm still connected with a few of those ladies. Um, and we still talk and it's fantastic. And um, I just, the Lord fighting for me, he truly did. He truly did fight for me. The Israelites were sitting down at the bottom of this hill uh, right next to the sea, right? And they were terrified. The Egyptians were coming to, to them. They had just been set free, but the Egyptians didn't want to let them go. Israelites sitting down there at the bottom, looking up at these Egyptians with their horses and chariots and their weapons that were coming to get them back and put them back into slavery. And the Israelites are standing there and they are crying out to God. And they say, did you not save us from Egypt only to let us die in the desert? And that drew such a connection for me. Uh, I connected to that in, in that, did you not redeem our first loss? 
with twins only to take them to? Do am I proud of that statement? No. Does God need us everywhere that we are? Yes, He does. He knows. He knows that I'm upset. <laughs> he wants you to question and, uh, Him. He wants you to question. Yes. Yes, exactly. And that was a huge point of me, of me coming to him. And, and again, knowing that he was there fighting for me and, uh, and me trying to connect back with him because I had been so mad and that's okay. It's okay to be mad at God. It's okay to question everything that's going on. And in my head, I was like, why did you take them from me? You didn't have to take them, but God didn't take anything. That was not him. Only good can come from God. And I just had to keep reminding myself of that. The second part of Exodus 14, 14 is all you have to do is wait. You just have to wait. And that's, again, you can even hear how that would resound with me. Like, all I need to do is just be still. I just need to listen. I need to pray. I just need to be here. I need to be in my grief. I need to cry. It's okay. I'm going to be still. The Lord is going to fight for me just like he fought for the Israelites. He opened the sea for the Israelites to walk on dry land. And then he crashed that water around the Egyptians. Could he not do the same for me? Absolutely. And I just kept reminding myself of that story. And that got me through. Got me through so much. And I'm so thankful for that story. Um, so I'll continue on here. Um, in April, I started a new job. So I had the entire month of March to kind of heal and take time to myself. Uh, I started a new job in March and everything was going good. I was getting back into exercising. I was taking care of myself. Um, as something I hadn't done in a while and it felt good. Three weeks later, I got another positive pregnancy test and I was like, oh. It, this was not a joyful positive this time. This was a dreadful positive. This was a, every single time I go to the bathroom, I'm looking for blood. Every single time. This was dreadful. And I would not wish that on anybody, ever. So that entire pregnancy was a secret. This pregnancy did lead to um, my daughter, Laurel, uh, but nobody knew I was pregnant. Nobody. I hid it from everybody as long as I could. And I will say, uh, we were over at our mother-in-law's or my mother-in-law's house um, one day. I was about 13 weeks pregnant. And she asked me if I was pregnant. And I would put a caution out to everyone, everyone to never ask a woman if they are pregnant, ever. I don't care what the surface is. I don't care if they look like they are 20 months pregnant. I don't care if they look like they are pregnant with septuplets. I don't care. Do not ask a woman if they are pregnant. If they would like to share that information with you, allow them the chance to do that. Allow them the space for them to do that. Do not ask. My mother-in-law asked, and I felt like everything had been ripped away from me. I didn't get a choice to share that with you. And now I don't have the ability to keep that to myself. I don't have the ability to work through my day-to-day -day pain, my day-to-day -day grief, 
constantly looking for something bad to happen in this pregnancy because it's been so common with the past two. And it happened again so soon after our previous loss. And in my head, it was a, how dare you ask me that? Uh, we got up, we left. Um, and I didn't speak to her for about three months. Uh, now, this was unusual because we normally would hang out all the time. We would go over there every week. But this was not, this was not it. Um, and eventually I did call her. I reached out to her and I, you know, let her know, like, hey, we've had our differences. And you may have noticed that I've been upset. So I want to let you know why. But nonetheless, we continued on. And uh, it was my son's birthday party. I was almost six months pregnant at that time. So I was like five and a half, six months pregnant. We were having a bunch of people come over. My parents were coming. Uh, my parents still did not know that I was pregnant. And I was well pregnant. You could see I was visibly pregnant. Um, and I called them as they were on their way. They were like, oh, we're about half hour out. So I called my mom and I said, hey, just so when you get here, um, I'm pregnant. Don't be surprised. And if you can imagine like a mother hearing that, they're like, what are you talking about? And she was like, oh my gosh, like that's so exciting. How far along are you? Oh, five and a half months. You waited how long to tell me? Like you can imagine, like she's missed all of these little, these little things uh, to talk with me about. Moms love to talk. Well, anybody likes to talk to pregnant people about their cravings and how they're feeling and everything. So um so yeah, they end up, end up, they get there and they see my belly and uh, my mom ended up forgetting about all of it, about, uh, me not telling her and she's just fine. She understands. Uh, I was grateful. Anyway, secret pregnancy, uh, social media had no idea about it. I hid it very well in black clothes and forward facing straight onto the camera, never to the side, never anything, oversized sweaters, uh, photos only from like the shoulders up, you know, like whole nine I put in work to hide this uh because at any moment I felt it could all be taken away is that how I should have gone through this pregnancy no is that how I felt at the time yes do I regret it yes uh I wish I could have found more joy in that in that moment um but I didn't I was just scared all the time and and I wish I could have cast my fears on Jesus. And I wish it could have been so easy to do that, but it wasn't. I would pray every morning. I would pray throughout the day. I was praying anytime I didn't feel a kick, I was praying. And uh, But I still had that fear. It just never left me. And that's something that happens with pregnancy loss and, um, and pregnancy after loss. Pregnancy after loss is something so interesting to um to move through you don't know what to expect next uh your emotions are all over the place you're missing you're going through what you were missing with your previous pregnancies um and and every day it just seems like it can all be ripped away we actually did not end up finding out the gender uh because of this if something would have happened i didn't want to know um so we just went through just completely oblivious i really didn't research again because i i wanted to go in with kind of like this childlike mind like i don't 
I don't want things to be darkened. I don't want to get on the internet and go looking for something and be like, well, you know, this happened to me when I was in the hospital and my baby died. Um, so I was just scared of all of that. Um, so I didn't search out anything. I didn't do anything uh, on that front. I will say after our second miscarriage, I had a therapy session. Um, and then I did talk with some people as I was going through our pregnancy journey with Laurel. But um, it was all just very terrifying. And uh, talking helps, but talking only when you're going through it. A lot of times talking is just tears and, uh, and it's hard to do. And, um, and a lot of times you just don't want to do it. So I feel like I'm talking circular right now, but, uh, no, you're fine. Yeah. This is, <laughs> it's raw. And I think you're doing s such a eloquent job of speaking, um, what so many women struggle with and, and as a Christian woman, you're showing, we're still flesh, we're still human, you know, and it's not walking alongside Jesus is not always going. He never says your life is going to be perfect. He tells us there will be troubles, but I am always with you. You always have me. And Absolutely. I think you're doing, I know you feel like you're talking in circles, but I think you're doing such a great job of just being real and honest and raw about what so many women are also going through and you're validating them. Thanks. Thank you so much. Um, yeah. And to kind of speak to that too, um, throughout all of these losses and throughout the grief and throughout the pain and throughout the pregnancy with Laurel, um, I had these echoes of, of a mentor of mine who spoke to me at a conference. Uh, we were in the middle of worship and I was feeling very broken. I also have a very broken past. Uh, crazy. Uh, like most Christians do, we all have very broken paths. Um, so I kind of walked out of worship and she met me where I was and I poured out my soul to her and she listened. And at the end she said, you know, I don't know why God deals some people the cards that he deals. But what I do know is that he loves you and I love you and everybody in this room loves you and everybody cares about you. And that always just gets you through. It's crazy how God puts so many people in your life and they'll say these things and you don't really like pick up on it until you're going through something later. And then you kind of think back to it and you're like, that person was there for this moment. They were there in the moment, but that has gotten me through this huge crisis that I'm going through right now. So anyway, I'll continue. Um, so we were in the hospital. I got diagnosed preeclampsia again at 37 weeks with floral and um so we went to the hospital and uh sitting in the bed i was getting induced and um i decided to make a social media post finally we had taken um pregnancy pictures as a family and uh, and so i shared and everybody was like completely shocked like oh my gosh how did you hide this for forever da, 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 da. And then it was about six hours later and Laurel had arrived. So uh, it was a very painful birth, <laughs> um, but it was also very freeing. I had worship music playing the entire time. And uh, at the time of her birth, 
uh, we were actually in the middle of listening to the album by Bethel Music. Uh, it's the album Victory. And that's when she came into the world as they were playing Victory is Yours. That's that's the sh- song she was born to. The Victory is Yours. And, that's uh, God. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So I have so many of those God moments and I love it so much. But um, they looked her up and they were like, do you see what she is? Or do you see? Do you see? And I was like, no. Like in my head, I'm like, oh my gosh, it's a girl. But like, I can't say it out loud. And um, and they kind of take her away for a minute. And, and then another nurse is like, did you see? Did you see what your baby is? A boy or a girl? And I was like, no, I did. But they're like, hadn't registered. And uh, they bring her back. And um, <laughs> um they bring her back and there she is. And I look and I was like, oh my gosh, it's a girl, it's a girl. And I freak out. Uh, and then give her the name Laurel Kate. Uh, not knowing in the moment, I didn't research her name before, but we looked at it, looked at it later in the hospital. And Laurel means victory. And Kate means pure. So this birth and her life is pure victory. And that is the most God thing that has ever happened. I just got chills. (laughs) Um, So those are my stories. Um, I hope that that has resonated with somebody. I will say the fear does not go away uh, when they get here or side. Your mama heart will always be nervous about something. But um, check on your baby whenever you want. Be validated in those feelings that you're terrified every second of every day and reach out for help. And that's like the best advice that I can give to anybody that's gone through any type of infertility, pregnancy loss, pregnancy, um, motherhood. Thank you. Thank you so much. And in the form that you filled out, you listed some great resources as well. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I will include those in the show notes. But again, Rachel, I can't tell you how much your story is going to help other women and going to resonate with them. And I know it's hard to talk about, but one thing that was so evident to me was when you did reach out, God brought you those women in your small group. Mm -hmm. When you wrote that social media post, you had hundreds of comments of, of women, you know, reaching out. And I think that's what we need. God doesn't want us to do life alone. Yeah. And I think the enemy tries when he takes that away from you, he tries to take everything away from you and pull you away from everything. And God wants the exact opposite of that. And I think that was really evident and clear in your story. Absolutely. I'm so thankful for the people that I have in my life that God has brought into my life. Well, thank you so very much. And thank you to the listeners of For This Child I Have Prayed. I hope Rachel's story touched you as much as it has me. Be sure to follow and subscribe to the podcast. Every Wednesday, there will be new stories of women sharing their journeys to motherhood and how God has been faithful to them. I will see you next time. Bye.